So if you've listened to this podcast before, you could probably tell that I make a pretty strong distinction between delivering goods and services to the poor and being in community to those very same people. I must admit, it's a it's a pretty tall order that I present here uh, episode after episode. And to be honest, amidst this pandemic for myself and my season studying in this world of academia, it's, it's an aspiration I personally find difficult to maintain. So when I come across friends like Lorraine and Angie, who you heard from last week, there is a deep substance to their call for action. This is the Good Neighbor Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Sidirgo, and today we'll be discussing what it means to advocate for those on the margins. Now, first, the term advocacy and activist, it can come off a bit aggressive to some of us, and and sometimes it's conflicting for us to kind of wrap our heads around this, you know, because it could look as noble and courageous as someone taking a stand like, I mean, a literal stand before an oncoming tank, or it could be as effortless as a tweet on, or a like on social media. Because in today's part two interview with Angie and Lorraine, I discussed the nuances and effectiveness of advocacy. Things like, what does it actually accomplish, you know, and, and what power do we hold? And specifically, what is the church's voice in the public arena? I mean, what does signing a petition really do? Because when it comes to the church, politics is a funny thing, you know? It's kind of an awkward relationship the church has with it. It's it's like getting mixed signals from someone you're interested in. For one side of it, we pretend that the church is not of this political world when it comes to certain issues, particularly social justice issues. Yet politics becomes everything when it comes to upholding certain moral values. What is it, church? Are you interested or not? Tell me one way or the other. I start my interview with a question for Lorraine Lamb, who has been attracting a lot of attention on social media these days around her opinions, her observations, and just straight out facts on the impact COVID is having on her friends living on the streets. So I asked Lorraine, what does advocacy look like to her? And, and what does it mean for a Christian to speak out? against policies and government oversight that fails to recognize those on the margins. So let's get to it. Advocacy was never something that I was like, I am so passionate about this. Hmm. But I think what has happened for me is the idea of advocacy has just completely shifted in terms of how I understand it. Because I think I used to understand advocacy as going on the news or marching in marches, you know, all like the really big things. But I think what I've realized over the number of years is that advocacy is really about um, using your voice. It's about speaking up and, and using the platforms that you have, whatever it might be, whether it's like Angie's mommy group on Facebook or like, you know, Instagram or whatever it is. So I think for me, the journey was that I, I started hanging out in this community and people that I really care about it their stories were making an impact on my life so you know I would leave here like you know at the end of the night or something and give someone a sleeping bag because shelters are full and be like okay good luck see you tomorrow (laughs) and that really sucked right and so I think for me a lot of these social justice issues moved from being issues to actually about people so homelessness isn't just about 
these numbers anymore. Homelessness for me is about our friend James who like lived on the street since he was a kid, right? Like um, homelessness became about my friend Richard who like literally died in the cold a few Novembers ago. So for me, like issues became about people that I cared about. And I, I think about how then I don't want to be in a position where I have this job anymore because I don't want to have to have to work with homeless people, not because I don't like them, but because I don't want people to be homeless anymore. And so in order to like eradicate homelessness, which is a huge goal, we need to actually make steps towards it. And so I think for me, advocacy, it's about telling people about what's going on so that we can collectively yeah. make choices to eradicate bigger issues. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I, I think, I've been thinking a lot about this story this week about um, the woman at the well who was somebody that was, you know, on the margins and then had this encounter with Jesus. And like she, it says that she like went away and like told everybody. So we have no idea what happened there, but there was something about the the telling everybody mm. about her experience that has really been sitting with me this week. And essentially all I do in social media is say like, this is what I'm seeing. And so now I'm going to tell everybody. So it could be, I'm seeing this beautiful experience I had with my friend who's often deemed worthless by society, but this is my experience. Or I saw this experience of this, you know, just the other day, like this guy stole a bag of chips and and like got arrested and it was this crazy thing. And I saw that. So I'm just going to tell everybody what I've seen. I don't try to say like, okay, you know, you need to think about things the way I do. I literally feel like I'm just using the platform to, to tell people what I'm seeing. And I realize that what I'm seeing might not be things that other people are seeing. And sometimes that I think has been a really, it's almost like offering an inside scoop. Um, And I think people relate to that. Uh, My hope for social media is not to just like post and ghost because which I think is the is the trendy social media stuff where it's like, you know, okay, hashtag Black Lives Matter and then post something like, look, I care and then move on. But it's like, let's generate conversation. Like, let's have the conversations. Let's plant the seeds about all the things that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. And so in terms of the church's role to advocate, I think when churches have no idea what's going on, which (laughs) goes back to the very start of our conversation, then like, what are you going to advocate about? The only thing I knew about advocacy growing up was the Adam and Steve marches. You know, <laughs> remember you know that? <laughs> yeah, right? but that was, that was my idea of advocacy. And it was, yeah. and it actually painted a very like negative picture because yeah, it was yeah. kind of like an angry protest with signs, right? But I, I actually think if churches are disconnected from what's happening, then you can't advocate well. So in order to be able to advocate, you need to have awareness first. And so if churches can learn about the things that matter, you know, a number of churches are talking about like truth and reconciliation, but you can't have reconciliation without truth. And so you need to do the work to pursue truth. You know, how many of our churches are actually doing that work to pursue that in the first place, right? So I do think for me, advocacy is actually part of kingdom work in terms of what it means to to center the people that God cares about so that we can change realities for people. Just to kind of emphasize it, I mean, another perhaps piece is, I mean, yes, um, you know, there's the there's the general public that needs to hear these things, but there's also, in my world at least, I'm also like advocating within the community, right? Yeah. Um, and, and uh, you know, and, and I actually think what comes to mind for me is 
uh, nine years ago when I started at Church of the Redeemer, the priest at the time was Andrew and he, he, and I, and I was going to do my first sermon and I was like, oh man, I, I don't know if I'm ready for this, you know? And, uh, and I was just a couple months in and he said, all you got to do is tell us stories. Yeah. And that's all he said. And it's every single time I preach, <laughs> so I preach several times a year and uh, both at Redeemer and other places. And every single time I have that mantra in my mind, just tell them stories, like just tell people stories because that is, <laughs> is the root of, of understanding and, and building any kind of empathy, right? Mm -hmm. Or any kind of understanding of these issues is exactly what Lauren was saying is, is you, is you gotta just, and if I'm ever like up in the clouds trying to pretend I'm a theologian, whatever, I'm like, just tell them a story. It just always <laughs> brings me down. And it's inevitably, these are, you know, these are, these are sermons that mean something to a lot of people, you know, because they're like, well, I, we didn't, I didn't see it that way before. And like that, so that's the power and transformational power of, of knowing people, right? And like these, and so then people like, you know, learning myself, like find ourselves as like we have, at least to speak for myself, I wasn't planning on being an advocate in the way I am, but like you, you have to bear witness, right? Like you have to bear witness to, yes. your, to, to what you're experiencing and that it just organically happens in how you, in how you tell those stories that, you know, you're, you're realizing, okay, I am close in and I do have this responsibility to, 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 to bear witness to the, yeah. to whether it be the church that I'm speaking, you know, is being like speaking to at the, on that Sunday or, um whoever or like as Lorraine says like mom groups you know like I mean wherever you find your I think that's the thing like there's not mm -hmm. yeah like they're like um when it comes to like finding your platform I think like sometimes people can get really worried about that like oh how am I going to reach so many people it's like no just look in front of you folks get really um you know kind of like oh I think over focused on like where's where's my platform and yeah. how am I going to reach as many people and you know, we can all find ourselves in those spaces sometimes. Like, how 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 am I going to do this right? But then, like, just like taking a breath and be like, who's the audience that I already have right in front of me? You know, whether it be my like like for, like for me, it's these mom groups. I have a five year old, and I'm in these neighborhood mom groups, and that has been a very interesting space to be. You know, to have a voice of stories, to have like, hey, I work alongside um, folks, and here's something that I can share that might. And like that's been, I mean, I've gotten, you know, I've had all these conversations with people I otherwise have do not know at all <laughs> that has, um, that have been really transformative and really amazing. So, mm -hmm. um, so yeah, so just like finding, like looking as opposed to like worrying too much about all of that, like, how am I going to be a superstar in this world or how am I going to have this giant platform? Just look in front of you and just say like, who's the audience that's listening to me? Uh, it's my church, it's my mom groups, it's my friends, you know, and that matters. That's thousands of people right there, probably or hundreds or whatever, right? But like, just yeah. start with that and uh, do and be diligent in your work of, of spreading the good news, essentially, right? Like that is, um, and just be faithful to that. I think that that's, that's something that just kind of brings me back down uh, all the time to reality. Yeah, I think there's also this, like, I, I often think about the idea of stewardship, you know, and I, I think that's, mm -hmm. I think about advocacy and, and sh the sharing of stories a lot in the context of stewardship where like, um, you know, I, there's this saying that I grew up hearing that like, oh my gosh, the church has to be a voice for the voiceless or whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm always, you know, like nobody is voiceless. It's just, we've yeah. done a really good job ignoring certain voices. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, like the idea of advocacy and sharing stories 
it's hopefully to find ways to shed light on the voices that are silenced so that it can actually create a platform for those voices to be heard. Yeah. Um, which I think is what Jesus did really well. Like he flipped mm-hmm. the scripts in terms of who was heard and who was centered. Yeah. And I feel like that is the crux of a lot of really um, powerful advocacy stuff. Like I, yeah. I, there's two of my coworkers who are really big and doing a lot of work in the news. And that's what they really focus on. They really often try to, okay, this is what the city, for instance, these positions of power, that's what they're saying. Let's flip the script actually. And let's talk about, let's hear from the people who are most affected by whatever decisions are happening and let's hear them and center those voices i i think that's really important yeah i i also think too like churches if we do this well the church has so much societal power it's yeah it is absolutely mind-blowing so like you know i think i hear a lot like oh we're such a secular society now and even if that's true yeah we're persecuted right Oh, Oh, don't even start with me. (laughs) (laughs) But like, you know, the church is so respected, even if we're in a secular society. So like, Mm -hmm. I think about recent conversations we've had with city councillors about like encampment tables and like, you know, some of our voices just kind of only go so far now. And then Angie, you rallied up like the bishop to show up. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, we we gotta listen to the bishop. I don't even know what a bishop does, you know? And I'm not sure councillors all do, but then, you know, and then once you have a whole bunch of churches sign on to like something, it carries so much weight. And so for me, like if a church is not involved in any of these like societal realities, to me, it's a huge, huge waste of privilege. It's a huge, you know, squandering of stewardship that Mm -hmm. the church has in terms of responsibility. And so like, I dream of like churches coming together to actually like use that societal power and like leverage it. Yeah, like, you know, churches are just a sacred space for people who are on the street, but also like it's this revered thing in society sometimes very hated symbol but there is still a lot of respect that i think we totally should be leveraging as a church (laughs) yeah you've done that right angie like rally the voices of the people and get people to sign on is a significant oh yeah well lorraine and i and many others are are working on that all the time um (laughs) and like we had a letter uh joint letter that was written by several different places uh have over a hundred church church congregations and priests sign on or whatever. And that was like, that was amazing, right? And and um and yeah, and and it's just so um it is like like as Lauren said, it's like there is a, actually a lot of power these 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 you know these voices still have. And one of the most annoying, this is in like fundraising, this like kind con- of conversation comes up a lot for me is in these Christian circles of fundraising, like, oh, you know, like this, like, we don't have these opportunities that other places have because we're Christian and like there's funding that's not going to be available to us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I don't know. That's a very boring conversation to me and like a very like unhelpful place to sit. Like, sure, you can find a couple grants that won't give you money or you could, <laughs> or you could be like, whatever, like we don't qualify for those, no big deal. Um, and look at the power you do have in society. Like those mm. those conversations have never been interesting to me about like how <laughs> how how little you know like or how how many places won't fund us. Like come on, yeah. just like move on. There's so many. And then if you're not finding, I mean, you will find places that will fund your vision. But if you're not, then educate people, bring them in. Like you know, inspire people. Like that's what 
Uh, so don't, so it's interesting like the roadblocks we create for ourselves that we kind of build these massive walls and say, well, this is why we can't do, you know, X, X, Y, Z kind of thing. It's like, no, like we can, we can do that. You just got to go around it, you know? <laughs> um, so yeah. those, yeah, those, those conversations have never been all that interesting to me, but, um, but yeah, but uh, totally agree about just, um, just, yeah, meeting people where they're at in our congregations and, um, and then using our platforms. Like we have these, we have really important voices yeah. and the bishops. I mean, I think the counselors see bishops, like they're representing like thousands and thousands, thousands of, of people. people. That's right. right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, I think that's just part like, even if they don't care about the bishop thing or whatever, like that's why it matters is because the representation that we have of our, of our communities. Mm-hmm. So, you know, an incumbent at a large church, I mean, that's representing hundreds, perhaps thousands of people yeah. right there. Right. So, so counselors do like you, you know, there's a lot more power that we have that we sometimes don't realize. Yeah. Yeah. And and what I'm what I'm picking up even before we just talked about this power that already exists, um, it's like right now though. What I find too is that, um, especially a younger generation, is that it's like we're given a mic with nothing to say um, <laughs> because we don't we don't have the relationships, you know, or the connection yeah. to the issues at hand, it's like really far. And so as a result of that, we feel pressured to say something to the mic that's in front of us, which is yeah. all of these platforms that exist. And, and, and we start uh, scrambling to find something to say, yeah. because um, it, it's right there, you know, that someone wants us to say something. Um, <laughs> and everyone is, and, and I find what needs to happen is like, we need to have these embodied experiences that, that populate, you know, our substance to speak, to speak. And, um, and I think that's really the hard part because saying something is easy, but actually like substantiating it with a life lived, you know, which is why I think, you know, for both of you, your advocacy is so strong because we know, you know, you know, we, we know you're there. And I think that's, where the power can come when like, um, that's where the power comes from me say with Christ, I know he has gone through great pain. Therefore I know I can count on, he, he understands, you know, where I've been, you know, like in, in whatever it is, there's something about living and being that actually substantiates a proclamation that, um, that can help our advocacy there. Um, and just, you know, kind of bringing things to a wrap here. Here's the thing that I get, um, caught up in. And I get these questions a lot from people too, is that, you know, because we know so much and we know the potential collateral from like, you know, the, the lines of when helping hurts or like uh, when, when, when someone's like, well, don't do those sandwich runs, you know, like, you know, let's get to the root issue of the problem or, and, and I feel like what it ends up doing is it's, it's this all or nothing, right? It's like, mm-hmm. okay, just don't do anything because you're making it worse. Or like, why aren't you doing something? Like, yeah. <laughs> you should be doing something. And and people are caught in like, okay, what should I do? Should I do nothing <laughs> because that's better? Just stay out of it. Or should I just go mm. all in? Is there a middle ground, you know, to that? Or like, how do you guys navigate that that question um, mm. between that? Because a lot of people feel like, okay, I just I better not touch it because, mm-hmm. and, and some people's like, it's all or nothing, right? So. 
I think, yeah, I, you know, Jesus tells that, that parable about like the, the employer who gave different talents to different people. And then the one, the one person who was scared to do anything with it, he just buried it in the ground and was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is safe. And then the employer came back and was like, what were you doing? Right. Like I, I think about that a lot. Mm. Um, I, I think sometimes the all or nothing narrative is super paralyzing, but I think for me, my hope is that people see that there is a whole spectrum of work that can happen Mm. and depending on your life season as well, right? Like, I think we all start maybe from a place of not knowing, maybe not caring. So just apathy, but the hope is that as you know a little bit, as you move from apathy to awareness, then you do something about it, whether it's having conversations with people that are immediately in your sphere, or maybe it's sending a note to an organization, sending 50 bucks. Like I, I think sometimes we think that the, the all is the only way that things will get done, but there is so many things behind the scenes that need to happen. You know, like there, there are so many pieces. I think of like the body of Christ, everybody plays a different part. And so I actually think if some of the parts decided, nah, I'm just not gonna do anything, then the whole body suffers. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I think there actually is a role for everyone. I think the idea of, of activist, active, activism and advocacy, like those are things that will look different for different people. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to recognize that. So like mm-hmm. I recognize for myself, like I'm in a position right now where like I don't have young children or bedtime that I need to worry about, which means that I have freedom in the evenings, for instance, to mm-hmm. go do certain things that some of my coworkers can't do. Or it might mean that I have time on weekends to catch up on certain things that, you know, like, I think we all pick up different pieces depending on the season of the life that we're in as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So there is like permission for all that and there's space for all that. Mm -hmm. And like, all of that is welcome. But I think the second we kind of say, not going to do anything, then I think that's where, that's where we cripple the larger picture of of what, what the work is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the culture of like wokeness has been like, there's so many good things about like this progressive understanding of issues and whatever, but it's also crippled, like crippling people, right? Like, and I, and I completely agree uh, with Laurie and just this culture of wokeness, like for sure it offers a lot of, of insight and offers a lot of like progressive, you know, issues to be at the forefront for sure, but it also just can debilitate people because we're like okay if, if I can't do this perfectly I'm not going to do it and I clearly can't do it perfectly so I'm not going to do it right mm-hmm. and I mean and I can even struggle with and even somebody that's been doing this kind of work for a long time I can struggle with oh I shouldn't even say certain things or do certain things right like I mean I can get my even myself wrapped up in that so I can imagine if folks are even much less connected to kind of the issues that they can really get lost in that so um so yeah I think that that's something to just like sometimes it's like it might be just like delete twitter (laughs) you know or like take a break and take a deep breath and just look in front of you right and just like simplifying it you know like just like simplifying it and realizing okay you know we we all have a place to play we can none of us can do it all trust me lauren and i tried in 2020 (laughs) and it broke us (laughs) don't do it like like 2020 broke us like when it comes to dealing with covid and all the drama and everything so like none of us can do it all and we need us all i mean with the one body stuff like we are all one body or many parts right 
and whatever you find your gifts and your passion to, to fit like don't let that woke kind of like I don't know like poison sometimes like stop stop you right like just yeah. try it I mean I mean yes find voices that you can trust that you can align yourself with you can ask the right questions but sometimes we can just kind of uh, kind of just like get these roadblocks that we don't allow ourselves like room to go around and continue with. So, um, so yeah. And like, we're all just going to do the little bits that we can. And that's the point of the body of Christ, right? Yeah, it's like for yeah. us all to play these different roles and to just relax and know there's other people doing the other stuff and I can, but I can do this one thing well, or I can do these two things well. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm going to commit myself. And when I need a break, I need a break because I'm going to take that break because there's other people doing it when I'm not, you know, like, like we just kind of like having that bigger awareness of like, you know, I'm one person, I'm going to do my best, but I'm also going to care for myself. Like, you know, not that we're kind of, not that that was the conversation, but I feel like that kind of flows mm-hmm. through, at least that flows into that space too, of like that self-care and what that looks like to be sustainable in this work and sustainable, you know, and in, in caring for the poor and for engaging in all this stuff. And, and for any listeners who don't know what the word woke means, it just means that you're not woke. Not joking. <laughs> um, just to, so, just to, in in closing, you know, I I think that um, I first of all, both of you, I I appreciate your time so much. I think we went way over time, but I'm 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 thrilled with the discussion because I think it it goes in many places. But I feel also too in that in the question I asked too is that that fear of making a mistake. Yeah. It's actually all about us. It's not about the cause, you know, like, and sometimes it is about the cause. I don't want to touch it because I don't want to break it. That's, that's okay. But if the cause is, I don't want to touch it because I'm going to be seen as that person who just, who, who made it worse. That's about, you know, and I found this, I, I'm saying this because I found it about myself too, is that mm-hmm. why am I so scared to do this? Is it because I truly mm-hmm. am scared that I'm going to make things worse or is it because I'm going to be seen as that person, you know, who spoke right. too soon or whatnot? And the courage to speak too soon or the courage to actually get into it and try it and make a mistake, do your sandwich run, for example, realize that you're going to a place where there's already five vans there giving up sandwiches. <laughs> and you're like, and that's fine. You know, you did it. You tried it. It's okay. You made a mistake. You look like a fool to all the volunteers you brought there. That's okay. Just do it. Try it. And eventually you learn by trying and, and getting into it, you know, and, yeah. and you'll find some surprises. You know, I went into Youngstreet Mission thinking, okay, I'm going to be focused on asset-based community development, and I'm not going to actually help anyone. I'm going to let the community help themselves. And where did I end up? <laughs> I ended up in Evergreen Center, <laughs> giving out food, <laughs> giving out the handouts <laughs> all the time, you know, like, and of course there's, there's, there's things that we do there that are different too, but yeah. I found that you know, you just, you get into one thing, you try it. Um, and then, and then it's always, I think, just about finding that tension. What makes sure. you just that uncomfortable, uncomfortable enough to not do it and find that, that, that threshold and just keep pushing that more and more right. until you find yourself, you know, like where you guys are and you're like, yeah. I didn't intend to be here. It's not like mm-hmm. my ambition is to be here. And I said this with Rachel, it's like, the people I find who are the truest people on the front lines aren't people who are like reveling in their, like, look how radical I am. It's like, no, I don't really, like what you said, Lorraine, I really don't want to be <laughs> here. You know, I, I really 
would rather not be, but it, it just demanded me to get in, you know? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. yeah. both of you, you know, continue on in your work and, and all that you have done, like I'm, and are doing, especially in this COVID situation, you guys are really a beacon of light, you know, right now. And so I just thank you so much for that. And thanks for being on today. Thank you, Jesse. Thank you. big thanks to Angie and Lorraine for joining me in this episode. It was really wonderful to talk to you both. When I started this podcast, I didn't exactly know where I was going to take it, but I got to say that it's actually been extremely fulfilling and a lot of fun to do. For those of you keeping up with this podcast, I wanted you to know that I'll be taking a break this coming week, just one week, uh, so you won't see a new episode next week, but we'll have a few more episodes in store. Uh, for you the week after before we end this first season. I've got some exciting ideas brewing for season two, and I can't wait to start sharing them with you all. So stay tuned. As always, if you've been following this podcast, thanks for taking the time to listen. If you ever wanted to see the faces of these people I talked with, feel free to click on the YouTube link on the description and watch highlights of all our interviews. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next time.